0: Hello and welcome to the Meaningfulistic podcast. I am your host, Gabriel Gonzalez, and I am asking questions about what matters to who and why in the deepest, most personal sense. This is an exploration to find deep meaning at the intersection of the secular and the sacred, the artistic and the scientific. Topics will revolve around the meaning at the center of psychology, religion, and philosophy. The Meaningfulistic is the both and of the yin and yang of what it means to be. And this is a mini episode for the Meaningfulistic podcast. And I realize I've never fully unpacked what the yin and yang and the both and really means. But I will save that for a later date. I wanted to comment on my conversation that I had with Steve Thomason. So one of the things that really struck me as as important or resonated with me as something that we had in common was our desire to uh, express things visually. Um, I went through Art Institute. I wanted to become an animator as well. And my life track got derailed, so to speak. And just like Steve, I was pulled towards the transcendental, the divine, to try to find more Uh, answers in life as I had more questions as I grew older Um, one of the things that I want to talk about in this episode is meaning of image and thought as Steve was explaining he would have images while he was reading and instead of taking notes verbally or you know literal notes of of truncated versions of what he was understanding he was using his illustration skills to map it out and that was something that I've been doing recently like I mentioned in the introduction episode the m with a circle is when I was finding things that were relating to people's meaning or what was meaningful to them and, and just the word meaning in general when I'm reading philosophy or theology books, I would circle, I'd put the letter M and circle it because I was finding these patterns and and, and I put them all in this bucket and I just knew that it had to do something with meaning, whether it was religious or not or whether it was uh, even about God or not. And when people, when I'm reading a book about uh, people going through trauma, and they're trying to find something that will replace it. Once that, once they start trying to cope with that, they're trying to find meaning and identity in their life, and that's what drew me towards the works of Viktor Frankl and existential therapy. Um, existential therapy has a lot of big names, but um, besides Viktor Frankl, one of the other ones that was uh, that I was reading a lot was Doctor. Irvin Yalom, uh, among uh, Rolo May and Emmy Van Dierzen and Paul T. Wong. And fortunately, Irvin Yalom was written some some books, uh, novels, actually. And I, and one of the most recommended was When Nietzsche Wept. I read When Nietzsche Wept, or I listened to it, rather, because time of constraints. And I was amazed. The man... Knows how to write. He is an excellent writer as far as being able to express details of human thought and emotion and also just being very eloquent with his language and style. And then I I read um, Love's Executioner. Love's Executioner is more of a pedagogical style. That is, he's writing it so he can share it with people who are in counseling or therapy or people maybe who have had counseling experiences so they could understand that what they're thinking how they think and what that relationship looks like in a counseling setting what it really looks like whereas When Nietzsche Wept was a brilliant book in my opinion of a f- historical fiction of what would happen if Nietzsche met this real doctor um, Josef in Vienna and, and who became Dr. Yosef became um, the mentor to Freud. So Nietzsche, Freud, Yosef Brouwer, and this triangle with um, a real-life person, uh, Salome, which was uh, Nietzsche's love interest, and this book really just um, goes into all of that with great detail, amazing detail. And and Dr. Yalom expresses his uh, amazing... uh, understanding of Nietzsche. Well, Love's Executioner, as I mentioned, was about counseling and what it's like being in a counseling setting, and it goes through what you know, case studies, which is you get a person and you tell their story, and this gives us readers insight into what he was doing and, and why and how he was learning through the relationship that he was developing with his clients in that he's mentioning in his book. How does that relate to Steve Thomason? Well, while he's going through the Love's Executioner, he's interjecting little parts of his philosophy, his his approach to counseling, and he realizes where some of the, some of that approach needs to be modified, updated, revamped, and he's talking about language, and image, and how he's trying to find out what people are thinking and trying to understand them better and the image of them that, they, that he perceives of them in his mind and how it might not be true and how he wants to learn more about who they are through their lives, through the images that they're experiencing. And he breaks it down this way. Mind thinks in images to communicate with another must transform image into thought and then thought into language. That march from image to thought to language is treacherous. Casualties occur. The rich fleecy texture of image is extraordinary plasticity and flexibility. It's private nostalgic emotional hues. All are lost when image is crammed into language. Great artists attempt to communicate image directly through suggestion, through metaphor, through linguistic feats intended to evoke some similar image to the reader, but ultimately they realize the inadequacy of their tools for the task. And he quotes, listen to Flaubert's lament in Madame Bovary. Whereas the truth is that fullness of soul can sometimes overflow in utter vapidity of language, for none of us can ever express the exact measure of his needs or his thoughts or his sorrows, and human speech is like a cracked kettle on which we tap crude rhythms for bears to dance to while we long to make music that will melt the stars. So obviously that line about private, nostalgic, emotional hues and just the beautiful idea of what language is as images before it gets crammed into language and and, and translated and missing all those nuances and, and awesome, grand, transcendental thoughts get ultimately reduced to our language, our, what we understand and how we're able to communicate and it always gets lost. From my mind to my words to your ears to your mind, there will always be a disconnect. And I can see that in Steve Thomason of what he's doing when, and that's so powerful when someone can stand up and express themselves in image form, it communicates directly to what we understand or when we're seeing that image, And him being a preacher, I'm sure it really resonates with his congregants who are just so used to hearing people's words and just sitting there and, you know, people falling asleep or what have you because they're not engaged. Their minds aren't being stimulated in a way that that normal speech patterns, you know, dictate. And then you have people like YouTube, You know, that's why people are watching things. That's why you watch videos is because you're seeing the image and you don't need that filter of language. If anything, you know, that's why having subtitles at the bottom of of an image or video are more likely to be watched than those that aren't. You're, you're passively reading while you're watching and you're, you're listening to the voice, but you're also connecting to the image that you're watching. So YouTube videos, TikTok, this explains why they're so popular because it creates that image in our minds more vividly and it's retained and it also has the emotional effect. You know, you're spiking your dopamine for seeing something funny or what have you but it also makes sense why powerpoint is so effective in business you you can get up or you could stand and read some sort of statistical analysis or but if you don't have a a presentation to offer your your points are going to get lost right you you're not going to be able to deliver a message of of selling something or explaining something without video and image to pair it with so Irvin Yalom did that expression very eloquently. I loved his language and it occurred to me that what Steve Thomason was talking about and what Irvin Yalom was writing about also hit me because months before I was out walking and I was listening to uh, Wal- Waldo Emerson's Nature. And It was just something that I love. I love nature, I love listening to things and learning while I'm walking. And this book with Emerson and Thoreau uh, is is what I got after I had listened to it. So I do that a lot, I'll listen to something and if I think it's really good, I'll go ahead and buy the hard copy. I don't like having too much book space taken up on my shelves. Um, But so that's why I listen to a lot first. And again, the reason why I listen to books is because it's building that image in my mind. And I'm able to do other things, work, drive, what have you, walk. And what Yalom said in Love's Executioner was very similar to what I had heard in Ralph Waldo Emerson. And it is this. A man's power to connect his thought with his proper symbol and so to utter it depends on the simplicity of his character, that is, upon his love of truth and his desire to communicate without loss. The corruption of man is followed by the corruption of language. But wise men pierce this rotten diction and fasten words again to visible things, so that picturesque language is at once a commanding certificate, that he who employs it is a man in alliance with truth and God. The moment our discourse arises above the ground line of familiar facts, it is inflamed with passion or exalted by thought. It clothes itself in images. A man conversing in earnest, if he watch his intellectual processes, will find that a material image, more or less luminous, arises in his mind, contemporaneous with every thought which furnishes the vestment of the thought. Hence, good writing and brilliant discourse are perpetual allegories. This imagery is spontaneous. It is the blending of experience, with the present action of the mind. It is proper creation. It is the working of the original cause through the instruments he has already made. And here original cause are capitalized because Emerson is talking again of God. So language and image in our minds are created before the language that comes out And to me, there's deep meaning in that thought because it resonates as Emerson parallels it to God. And the word logos is very much along those lines. If you don't like the word God, think universal mind, universal intelligence. It's all similar ways of looking at something that we can't explain. That language has futility and trying to capture. And that's why I love the word ineffable when it comes to talking about God. There's just no real way of putting it into words without losing so much of what God really is, of what God really means. And thankfully, Steve Thomason is a professor now and he's able to express this idea of his, or kateches and is teaching others how to use it so they can go out and maybe teach others how to use it. And the way this relates to us being in a relationship, you and I with others and those around us is you will never be able to really understand where someone is coming from Knowing that there is a mystery that is beyond you that is beyond them that is how we perceive things can help us better understand and maybe forgive others and forgive the fact that they don't understand us and also maybe understand that as much as we try to believe that we think we know someone there is a vast world of mystery of who that person really is that we will never know And I would encourage people to embrace that mystery and love the fact that we're all trying to do the best we can and we will never really fully understand each other. And just as much as we'll never really fully understand God in the same way. If you're interested in these type of messages or even images, I share them on Instagram at Meaningfulistic and you can also join my facebook group the meaningfulistic podcast where i share images videos and more personal thoughts of, of the, my philosophy behind the meaningfulistic i hope you enjoyed this mini episode of the meaning of image and thought and if you'd like to have if you have any questions or like to reach out you can contact me through meaningfulistic at gmail i'd love to hear your thoughts and i wish you a very meaning-filled day thank you and god bless